Welcome back for episode 6. My next guest in the basement is an IRL friend. I always knew her to be an avid gamer, but it was to my shock and surprise to find out that she was also a streamer. I hope you guys really enjoy our conversation, but first, we have a new sponsor. Have you been struggling to find a guild? Well, that ends now with a new app called Guidance. Guidance is like a dating app, but will help you find your destined guild instead of a soulmate. All you have to do is type in the qualities that you are looking for in a guild, and we do the rest. No more awkwardness and ambiguity now that you have Guidance. Guidance by WowTech. Download from the app and play stores today. Is looking for a guild like dating? Well, who knew? Not me. Anyway, onward to the interview. Okay. Could you give me a brief general introduction about who you are? Uh, yeah, my Twitch name is Fairly Asian. That's my online identity for the most part. I use that name in pretty much vast majority of the games and social media that I do right now. So mainly right now, I focus on streaming MMORPG content, primarily Final Fantasy XIV and World of Warcraft Classic. And so that that takes up probably the vast majority of my time. I do streaming single-player RPGs like Final Fantasy games. Any type of action RPG games are generally pretty fun for me. And it's just party. Party games, fall guides, among us, things like that. Aside from that, I do have a day job, which I'm still maintaining. So I'm not a full-time streamer. I'm still fairly new. But yeah, that's, that's the gist of it, I think. Oh, cool. So how long have you been gaming for? Oh, a while. I think I started playing Pokemon Red and Blue on Game Boy back in the day. And I remember having a Super Nintendo with Super Mario World and the Lion King game, which I know is notoriously hard. I think I was like five when I had that, four or five maybe. So I've been pretty lucky to consistently have access to video games my whole life. So I think my parents got me a PlayStation when I was maybe seven or eight. So Crash Bandicoot, Spyro, all that good stuff. I wouldn't say I'm the most prolific gamer. I've definitely played the mainstream games like Call of Duty, Halo, all that stuff. But those weren't my main things growing up just because it was a lot easier for me. I didn't have a lot of friends that played video games that I could consistently see enough to do any kind of multiplayer stuff. So for the most part, I stuck to the single player type experiences. But yeah, when I was in college, I started playing computer games, PC games. So simple stuff, MOBAs were starting to get popular at times, like League of Legends and whatnot. And as that kind of progressed, I was like, let me check out other multiplayer type experiences. This is like the first time I've really had stuff. So I started playing Final Fantasy XIV after I, I demoed a handful of what the most popular MMOs were at the time. So I think it was like World of Warcraft was like in their Legion or, or expansion or something like that. And so I tried that for a little bit and lost interest after 30 minutes. I tried, I think, Lord of the Rings Online. Lost interest after the first 10 minutes because the graphics were just so bad. And then I, fin I rolled around to Final Fantasy XIV. I was like, oh, this looks like a pretty okay graphics-wise. The art style is appealing to me and everything. And I played that actually as a single-player game for probably, I want to say, close to eight years. And then finally, within the last three years, I started playing like the actual multiplayer aspects of that game. So that's been super fun for me. I'd say you've been like an avid Final Fantasy fan for a while. Where did your love of Final Fantasy start? So when I was in eighth grade, I met a group of friends who this was I started realizing a lot of the cartoons that I was into from like Toonami on Cartoon Network. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah early 2000s. Yeah, I didn't realize until I was like in middle school that a lot of those were anime. When I finally had that realization, I started reading manga when I realized that anime was based on manga. When I was in eighth grade, I got invited by a group of friends to a manga club. 
And every Tuesday, we'd go to the library after school, and they had a little conference room set aside for us to just put stuff on from the library catalog or just check stuff out from the library. And they would give us like snacks and chips and things like that that were provided by the library. And one of my friends brought in, I think he had family in Timbuktu or something like that and got a copy of a bootleg Final Fantasy Advent Children. Yeah, I watched that. My my very first experience into, I think I had played, I'd played, I'd seen Final Fantasy X and stuff like that because that was really popular at the time. But yeah, that the Advent Children movie came out. I watched it visually. It was such a cool movie. I think the themes of the movie were really interesting. That's where it started. And then from that point, I just started playing every Final Fantasy game I could get my hands on. So I started with seven since that's what the movie was based on. Mm-hmm. And then I played eight and then I played 10 and then I played 13, which I still haven't finished yet because for whatever reason, 13 just didn't connect with me. But mm-hmm. yeah, I've since played 14, 15 and 16. So I've played half of the Final Fantasy catalog and then some of the offshoot games. They have some side games that aren't numbered, but that have different storylines. And I've played a few of those, too. OK, cool. Yeah, I've jumped around a bit with Final Fantasy 2. I w- I think I was in it until Final Fantasy 10 Part 2. And then I skipped 11 because I thought, I think that was just online and I hadn't been online yet mm-hmm. as far as consoles. And then I think 12, I played a little bit of it, but I just, I couldn't get into it. And then I wasn't into the, the, fi- the new fighting system. And I don't know if that fighting system was there in 11 or not, but yeah, I haven't played again since, but... I hear 16 is really good, and you have experience with 16. What do you think about it? Yeah, so I finished 16 two or three weeks ago. It was like the week before PAX, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, I The combat was done by the same uh, person who did the combat for Devil May Cry 5, which is one of my favorite game series of all time. Oh, Devil May um, Cry good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really liked just play style-wise. There are sequences and moves that you can tell are just very heavily inspired by Devil May Cry combat, which makes me feel really, it makes me feel really good. It's always very smooth and snappy gameplay. And story-wise, I really, I really liked it as well. It definitely is not perfect. I think there, there are elements of the story that I wish maybe could have been expanded on or maybe could have gone a different way. It's Uh still 100% worth playing, I think, just because it, even if you don't, like certain elements of it or the ending or whatever i think it definitely gets you thinking and it gets you a little bit more invested than some others some other story titles i feel like play nowadays i think just from a polished standpoint though it feels like a very well-rounded game it didn't ship with any major issues or bugs it was like complete on day one i think the only thing that they patched on day one was just to give some players control different options for control mappings and then also to try to fix some frame rate issues but yeah i feel like overall it's a very well-rounded game the disclaimer though is that it was done a lot of the development team for 16 came from final fantasy 14 i'm Uh, highly biased in that regard that's funny so you just mentioned Devil May Cry. When did you get into Devil May Cry? Did you start at the first one or? I think Devil May Cry 3 was coming out when I got really into it. I, I had been familiar with the game. I, I think I'd seen family members and friends play it. So I'd watched the gameplay, but because it was like a more mature rated game, I think mm-hmm. I never got my hands on it personally. But it was a title that I got when I got my PS3 back in middle school. That was like the first PS3 title that I bought. 
And the guy who does the voice and the motion capture for Devil May Cry 3's Nero, he is Johnny Young Bosch. He's like an anime voice actor guy. So he did like a lot of, he did like Ichigo from Bleach, Bash from Trigun, like a lot of very iconic roles. And then he was also Black Power Ranger in the Mighty Man from Orphan Power Rangers, which is like another thing That's that I crazy. was into. Yeah. So when I found out that he was in it, I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. Let's check this out. So I played Devil May Cry 3. I loved that game. I think I've played that game through three or four times minimum. And so then it was the same thing. It was like I kind of like backtracked. I did like Devil May Cry 1, Devil May Cry 2. Actually, I lied. Johnny and Bosch is Devil May Cry 4. I played Devil May Cry 3 first, though, for sure, on PlayStation okay. 2. But yeah, Devil May Cry 4 was with PlayStation 3, and I played that game like three or four times. But yeah, so when I played 3, I backtracked and played 1 and 2. There's some other content, too. There's like a novel series and then like an anime and uh, a manga as well. And so I've, I spent, a, because I had nothing better to do in high school, I like consumed everything I could possibly get my hands on with these things. It's crazy how things change when you get older. Because, it, like, I, I go back to old games I used to play, and I, I was just used to be like, how that I used to be so good at this game, but it's just time. You have more time to do things. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's, Which it's freedom. <laughs> and freedom. Yeah, exactly. So I have an inkling, but how did you come up with your name? I'm obviously Asian a little bit. I'm mixed race, but, like, I'm primarily, I primarily identify as Asian. But fairly, the fairly part of it is... It's like a two-part thing where was, I'm not fully Asian. I'm fairly Asian. But then my favorite character from Final Fantasy VII is Zach Fair. And oh, so okay. I'm like, oh, that's cool. So it's like a double meaning type thing. It's like a subtle nod to that while not being like over, I don't know. I didn't want to be cringe and just name my character after some other character, right? Yeah, no, that makes sense. I really like that, how it has like the double meaning. Thank you. I appreciate that. You had mentioned playing Mario games. Do you have a favorite Mario game? I definitely feel the nostalgia for Super Mario Brothers. Just because that's, I remember just like sitting in my room as a kid playing that for hours on the weekends. But I will say, I think I really liked Super Mario Odyssey. Because I think so. my partner and I, we played that game together after work okay. quite a bit. Yeah. So that was super fun for me. Super Mario Odyssey is like a good memory for me just because that was one of the first games that my partner and I played together for consistent, like a consistent thing. So you mentioned you were into League of Legends? Oh, yeah. That was my degen uh, period of life. I started playing, it was my freshman year of college. No, my second year of college. My friends, one of my friends was staying in the dorms and we would have Friday night game nights at his dorm. And there were days where I'd like bring my PlayStation over and we'd play like Call of Duty on this big 60 inch television. And then some of the other days we, so the friend that was staying in the dorms, he started playing League of Legends because he was really into Dota before that. But League of Legends felt was like more accessible because I think he felt just Dota was like a higher skill cap type game at the time. So League had just come out. I think they hadn't even had like their world championships, like competitive tournaments yet. And so we installed it. We were playing. It was like free to play. It is still free to play, but we were just playing like the free characters and everything. And so that was the first time I ever played it. And then I started playing it. I found out more people that I knew played it. So then that's how I got to expand my friend circle in college. I actually got to become pretty good friends with some people that I just knew as acquaintances just because they wanted more people to play with. And at some point we had a group of, there was a group of 10, 12 of us that would consistently play together. 
And then over the course of two years, I realized I was like becoming really toxic and it was like making me a terrible person. So I was like, we're going we're gonna to put that down for a little while. So what do you think happened to League of Legends from when you first started to when you left it? I think from, I'm not sure what happened, like, I guess from like a widespread standpoint, just because like, I feel like my perspective is pretty limited, but I think just after it went from playing just for fun to, oh, since we're playing so much for fun, because we were playing like three or four hours every night minimum. And it went from that till we're getting pretty good. Maybe we should try doing like the competitive mode, like the ranking modes. Okay. And yeah, there would always be all this stuff like among our friends. Some people were like gold and other people were only bronze and whatever. And people started getting butthurt over losing games. So we stopped ranking together as a group. And then we were doing maybe two people ranked together at a time or whatever. And then I would rank by myself. I'd play games by myself. And that was depressing because I was definitely not I was definitely not, I had no illusions that I was good at this game, but I think just the competitive nature of it. And then we started getting more and more upset every time we lost. And that just became, started to become like a, a drag on everybody's mood. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I just asked because I was curious because nowadays, like if you start out on League of Legends, everybody's trying to warn you against it, that it's super toxic and a beginner wouldn't be welcome there. I was curious how you got started and why you left if it was just the toxicity you felt within the community or if it was just the game itself or I don't know what happened yeah I think the community to be fair is pretty like that I think just the fact that it's a free-to-play game invites toxicity to some extent and then too they've made a lot of changes to the game over the years I still have it installed on my computer I poke my head into the game probably once a year just to see if they have any cool skins for characters that I really like on sale or just play like a random game or something and the game has changed enough that it feels really scary to even I've played the game I know a lot of these characters but it's just there's new systems in place to get you to log in every day and rewards and season pass type things and I think just the combination of all of that has just become like a little overwhelming for somebody who just wants to get in and just play some games with their friends. So it sounds like you grew up in what I call the golden ages of gaming, where you had so much of a variety of game systems that you could try and play. What was your favorite gaming system growing up? And what's your favorite gaming system now? Ooh, I only really had PlayStations. I didn't have Xbox at all. And I didn't have a GameCube. I feel like my favorite is PlayStation 2, just because all of my diehard childhood games are from PlayStation 2 or were playable on PlayStation 2. Like all the original like Resident Evil, like some of the Resident Evil games, like Resident Evil 4 was PlayStation 2, I think. Kingdom Hearts series was primarily PlayStation 2 when it started out, things like that. Yeah, so I feel like that's like definitely like really solidly there for me. But yeah, I really liked I really liked my PS Vita when I got that too at the time. Because it was the next, it was like, it was like the stepping stone to the Nintendo Switch and now the Steam Deck and all that, which is I'm really enjoying too, just because it's like giving me access to another layer of games that I just wouldn't play or wouldn't be able to play if, if I wasn't able to have them like on the couch or mobile. Yeah, no, for sure. I would say like PS2 is like one of my favorites too. It's not my favorite Sega Genesis because it's just nostalgic for me. Yeah. But PlayStation 2 is up there. It just had all these games and they were 
like banger after banger. It was a really good system. I don't think I experienced too much of Sega Genesis. I do remember playing it, though, because they had it at the in the checkout area, the dentist's office that my mom used to take me to. Oh, really? That's cool. <laughs> yeah. This was really fun, like the Sonic game and all that stuff. So when did you get into cosplay? Because you had an awesome costume at PAX. And I, yeah, please talk about it. <laughs> oh, my. It goes along with the anime phase of my life. So in middle school, I started, I think my friends wanted to do like a Smash Brothers cosplay group cosplay type thing so one of my friends made like a chic from uh, legend of zelda and there was like mario luigi like a whole bunch of people did like different characters from smash brothers so i think i did link just because it seemed like it was easy enough i just threw on like a pair of pants and some brown boots and i i sewed like a really basic green top and then like a his like elf hat type type deal so i did that and so that was the first costume I'd say I made. And I just rolled with that because I'd, I'd done some sewing things as a kid, like cross-stitching and, and whatnot. So I figured I was like, heck, might as well just keep going and try to make some clothes type thing. So I think like I made a, like I made like a ninja outfit from another old school anime called Veroni Kenshin, which I've never worn in public or taken pictures of, but I made it. And that's like in the closet somewhere. It's cool. You should wear it. One day. One day. But yeah, this this costume for PAX was definitely one of the more ambitious. It definitely was a lot of things that I'd never done before, which was super... It was fun to learn about. It was definitely expensive, though. Yeah, I bet it's like a very expensive hobby. And it did look very, very ornate. There's a lot, too. But so, do you have any tips for anybody wanting to get into cosplay? There are so many videos and YouTube channels out there now and people doing cosplay and like professionally and even just for fun that I think the I think it's a matter of just finding a subject that you're passionate about. So then that way you stick it out. Because in terms of actually creating whatever it is that you want to create, there's so many resources these days. And I feel like that kind of takes the pressure off a little bit because you don't have to engineer it so much as I feel like you used to. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, I think just spend lots of time researching Spend lots of, make sure that it's like a subject that you're like really invested in. And then also too, one thing that I learned with this last costume is it's really tempting to cheap out, especially when you're getting materials and things like that. But having sharp knives, having fresh glue and all these things, it, it makes a world of difference and it actually reduces the amount of work you have to do. So it's totally worth it sometimes to just like, oh, my glue's drying out. I can still use it. You no, know, you absolutely should just buy a new one. Yeah. Yeah. So there's no shortcuts, basically. Yeah. I, I learned that the hard way. Oh, no. Yeah. I, I went to art school and it was the same thing. It was like you either buy quality materials or your stuff just comes out looking like what you paid for it you could see the difference yep yep yeah do you think anybody can do cosplay why or why not yeah i think anybody can do it i think it just it's like there's so many different mediums to cosplay so there's people who what they do is that they just find things and then turn them into costumes and they look really good so if you're like really thrifty and just don't mind crawling through the stores and looking for things that match that's one way to do it without having to be too handy or too intricate about it. Because there's lots of characters and costumes and things like that out there that you could just make with 
just finding things and maybe like sewing on a patch or even like ironing on something or having something screen printed, right? So you can always add details to things. And that's why I feel like it's super accessible. But then too, there's people are good at sewing. There's lots of cosplays you could do completely just sewing only. Or there's things like what I did. If you're more of like a hardware type person, maybe suits of armor and like foam and chain mail and that kind of stuff is your thing. So I, th I think it's just, again, like a matter of kind of finding finding what's right for you. No, that makes a lot of sense. It, it sounds like a lot of fun and you can be creative in a lot of different ways. Yeah, I one thing I liked about making this costume was like a lot of the things that I go to are multi-day events like PAX or like Final Fantasy Fan Fest was like two days. BlizzCon is like two days. It's like you can have your one super intricate costume for one day. And then the next day, if you have an idea for something low key that's comfortable, then that way you can still have your cosplay. You can still be cosplaying the whole time, but then have a chill day where it's like it's not you're not like fussing with props and like worried about this falling off and all that. You can just walk around like you're walking around in your clothes type thing. Yeah, that's that's such a great idea, because I know walking around in a full costume has to be tiring, especially if you're doing it for hours. So it might be nice to have a break one the next day or the day after that. Yeah, for sure. Oh, I know that you met some voice actors at PAX. What voice actors have you just met overall? Oh, Lord. Sorry. So that's okay. So at PAX, I did. I remember reading this one. And I even thought that to myself. I was like, oh, this list. But so I've I been going feeling it's going to be quite extensive. We're going to be sitting here for a little minute for a minute. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll keep it. I'll keep it more condensed. But so <laughs> last packs, it was the cast of part of the cast of Final Fantasy 16, like the main character, Clive, actors, Ben Starr, and then a couple of the other side characters like Joshua, Benedicta, Dion, some like pretty, pretty major characters in the story. So that was a, a super cool experience, especially because that day I was wearing my costume. And so I got to sh show them the costume. And some of them are actually interested in Final Fantasy fourteen, So that was like a cool connection there. What else have I done? Okay, so I met, I guess I mentioned Johnny Young Bosch because he was Devil May Cry 4. So I met him. He was one of the first voice actors I ever met. And that was going to an anime convention in Las Vegas. I went to that anime convention like three or four years in a row. And so he did, yeah, he did the voice for Ichigo and Bleach with what he was mainly popular for at the time. He's done a whole lot more since then. He's done voice, act, voice acting in a whole bunch of video games. I think he's in Persona, one of the Persona games. He was like Lelouch from Code Geass, which was popular when I was in high school and college. But yeah, so he's one of the, he's one of the bigger voice actors that I've met. I've met some various, I can't even remember names at this point, but it was like the guy who did Vincent Valentine in Final Fantasy VII. I met him. I think it's Steve Blum. He's also quite big in the industry. But some of the people from Critical Role, before Critical Role was a thing, it was like Yuri Lowenthal and Tara Platt. So I think Yuri Lowenthal did the voice of Sasuke in Naruto, which is what I met him from was that at the anime convention. Tara Platt is his wife, I believe. And so she also did a voice in Naruto. And I think, oh man, I'm definitely slipping here, but like some Full Metal Alchemist characters. So it was like Roy Mustang, Riza Hawkeye. Oh, it's so many. Yeah, I, I had a feeling, but yeah. I'm glad you remembered those <laughs> and made your way through some of the lists. Thank you. It's, it's really interesting because I know we went to that Final Fantasy thing before but we didn't meet any voice actors but we met 
the conductor, one of the conductors, or just the conductor of the Final Fantasy. I forgot what it was called. It was a distant world. Distant worlds, yeah. Um, yeah, so it was Arnie Roth. And yeah, then Roth. we were supposed to meet Nobu Uematsu, who's the composer of a majority of the Final Fantasy music, but he was ill at the time, so we didn't get to meet him, but we did get a, a paper with his autograph and then the poster. Yeah, I hung um, it up. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's, oh, that's so nice. <laughs> yeah, I framed it. I still have our pictures that we took with Arnie Roth, and it was a really nice day. I'm glad you invited me. It was really nice of you. <laughs> yeah, that was really fun. The woman in the photos that we took, too, she, so her name was Susan Calloway, and she sings the opening theme song of Final Fantasy XIV. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so it was really cool getting to see her live because I think I've only seen her. That was the only time I've ever seen her live because she doesn't come to every single one of those performances. Oh, that's crazy. That's great you got to see her. I love Final Fantasy music, obviously. You love Final Fantasy music. Do you have a Final Fantasy song that's your favorite? I played one at my wedding. I walked down the aisle to a Final Fantasy song. I'm not going to say which one because that's my song, but do. do you have any favorite Final Fantasy songs? That's adorable, by the way. <laughs> I know it's so dorky, but I was like, I want to get married to the song. It's so pretty. It's a Final um, Fantasy eight song. I'm not going to say which one. I swear I'm about to. Okay, so the song that I have been dying to hear live and I'm like resisting the urge to impulse buy Distant World tickets because they I heard they might be playing it is it was Eyes on Me from Final Fantasy VIII. Oh, I love that song. It hits you right in the feels. It's just it's really that's a really pretty song. Yeah, and so the song is actually sung by, I, I think she's from Hong Kong, but she's like a Chinese, Mandarin Chinese singer. Her name is Fei Wong. And so she was really popular when my parents were in their 30s. And so I think they knew her music. And so when I later on found out that she sung that song too, I was like, oh, that's really cute. But yeah, I really like that song. There are some Final Fantasy fourteen songs that are quite good as well and so the produce the music producer for that his name is masayoshi soken and so he did a lot of the he did all the music for final fantasy 16 as well but yeah there's like a there there are like boss battle themes and things like that mm -hmm. are they're actually they play like real music not like video game music which yeah. is always interesting to me. I think that change that music went through for video games, I still love the music that they used to have in the 90s for the games, but then the music for games just evolved and it's beautiful where it went to, but I still have nostalgia for all that old music with the, what was it, the MIDI sequencers and stuff like that. Yeah. And my mom yeah. always used to be like, turn that noise down. I'm like, no, this is good music. Oh, I miss yeah. that. <laughs> I like to, especially some of the like background music in a lot of games these days, it's surprisingly, it's very low key and kind of chill. Yeah. But at the same time, it's just nice to have on. So what made you get involved in streaming? We talked about this a little bit last mm -hmm. time we saw each other, but I first became aware of streaming when I got my PlayStation 4 and there was an option to connect a Twitch account. So I created a, a Twitch account and I got a copy of Final Fantasy Type-0 two days before release because I ordered the special edition and I guess there was some storm either in the Midwest or on the East Coast. So UPS was shipping them out faster to try to get ahead of the delays. Since I live in Arizona and there's nothing going on in Arizona, I happened to get it early. So I was like, I popped it in and started streaming it on Twitch because there were no rules about, oh, you can't stream it before the live date and like all this other stuff, right? I turned that on 
And at some point, I had 53 people watching me play this game. Yeah. So that was shocking to me. I didn't have a camera or audio on because I was still living at home. I was like a teenager. Yeah. My mom would have been super sketched out if I told her that 53 people were watching me play a game. But that kind of got me turned on to the idea. And then I started watching YouTubers like PewDiePie, Jacksepticeye, whoever doing Let's Plays. I ended up mostly just streaming for my friends here and there. I had friends that wanted to get a PlayStation 4, but because they were in short supply, there were people who just couldn't. I would stream just so that my friends could watch and chit chat while we were doing that. But yeah, I, I definitely put streaming down for a long time until I started playing WoW and my partner and I started leading raids in WoW. Because of just the way that we were running the raids, he was running the action part of it, telling people where to stand, what to do. And I was dealing with the administration part of it, which is making sure everybody had all their buffs, telling people that they needed to use certain consumables, taking care of loot distribution. And so since I didn't have a whole lot to do other than just like keeping tabs on these three things, I was like, I'd take it upon myself to just shit talk during the raid and make jokes and try to be a little entertaining. So at one point, somebody had mentioned, they're like, oh, I'm not gonna be able to come. Is somebody gonna be streaming so that I can at least watch? And so I was like, well, I could turn the stream on. So I turned the stream on and we started doing that. And it got pretty, I wouldn't say I have a ton of viewers or anything like that, but we had like our own little circle of friends and community. There was like the wife of one of our regulars. She would pop in and watch us play. And then she would join us sometimes, but she couldn't join them just every time because they had kids and everything. So sometimes it was easier for her to just turn that on the TV while she was like taking care of the kids. So yeah, that's how I started doing that. And then my my partner started encouraging me to do it more. And here we are. So could you tell us a bit more about your Twitch community? Right now, my Twitch community is primarily just like my friends and people who are in my World of Warcraft circle. Right now, the the primary game I've been streaming is World of Warcraft Classic, but I'm playing on the hardcore servers. So it's one life characters. If you die, you have to delete your character type thing. A lot of people, we have a couple of consistent friends that we play with that'll pop into the stream just to interact with us a little bit more. But we'll occasionally get somebody who joins a group with us. And so they'll watch the stream and follow. And then people just trickle in when they see that there's somebody reaching like higher levels or interested to see like higher level gameplay and whatnot. So that's the, the bulk of my community and then friends from like my previous WoW adventures. But I don't want to be stuck, so to speak, yeah. in the WoW community only. I want to, I definitely want to be a little bit more variety, a little bit more flexible with what I stream just because I know WoW Classic isn't going to be a super long-term thing for me. Do you have a favorite stream you like to think back on? I, it sounds like the one where you were doing drops and stuff was pretty fun. Yeah, those days were definitely more regular. It was nice because it was just like once a week, once or twice a week, I could turn on the stream and consistently we'd have somebody dropping in to say hi or whatnot. So that was always fun and it was always good to know that there'd be somebody to interact with. My, my favorite stream so far is the stream itself was actually really messed up because I was having bandwidth issues and whatnot. But I got a legendary item in World of Warcraft Classic. And once the game proceeded on to the next expansion, that item is like not attainable anymore. 
And so there's this intricate quest line that you have to do. It starts off with you have to collect 40 shards. It's like a staff. And so there's 40 splinters that are like in this raid. And there's 15 bosses in the raid. And each boss has like a 10% chance of dropping a splinter. It takes like multiple weeks of farming to get this staff. And I'm not going to go into the whole thing, but for a multitude of reasons, the process of getting my splinters was way harder than it should have been. So when we got to the point where I got all 40 of my splinters, there was two more quick quest things that my guild had to help me accomplish. And then there was a challenge to just see if you were worthy of this staff. And so we had to go into this dungeon. I had to like pre-form a group of five people. So it was like me, my partner, two of my best friends, and then another guy that I was really, that I really admired. So we all went in and we had to beat this really hard boss. And it took us like three or four attempts. But yeah, so I streamed that and like my entire guild was watching us. And so we beat the boss. We got our screenshot. I think the VOD has already, like the VOD expired a long time ago, but I still have a clip from after we beat the boss oh, on my cool. channel. Yeah. And, and so that was definitely a really cool moment. As a woman streamer, what challenges have you faced that male streamers just don't have to deal with? Since I don't have a huge audience yet, I haven't had too many negative experiences. I think it's from an internal perspective. I think I definitely care more or I'm like a little bit more self-conscious about my appearance than maybe uh, a male streamer might be. Sometimes I'm like, oh, is this top too low cut? Or is it, am I like, oh, is my posture making my belly stick out too much or stuff like that? And then I'm like, well, am I phoning it in because I'm not putting on makeup and all this other stuff? And it's my just random things like that. I think it mostly has to do with just being critical of my self-image. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people deal with that so it's definitely not like a unique thing but yeah that's been my primary thing right now is just like figuring out my look and like how I want to present myself and obsessing about that do you think you'd ever do cosplay on your streams I think I do at some point so yeah. the way my setup is right now you can see my suit of armor in the background not like super super prominently like you'd have to look for it I think to see it but I like to sit it there it's just like a conversation piece just as like an example, I actually had the opportunity to talk to one of my favorite streamers on stream a week ago. And he was one of the people that I met when I went to Vegas for FanFest and I missed getting to show him my costume in person. It was, he was like asking me like, oh, is there anything you want to say? Is there anything you want to tell us about yourself? And I was like, since we're on the topic, turned around, gestured to my costume. And I'm like, this is my costume that I wanted to show you that I didn't get to. So now oh, I can say that I should use. Yeah, he was really nice about it, too. And he's, he was, like, super excited. He's like, oh, are you coming to the next fan fest? And I'm like, no. I'm like, we'll meet again in in person someday, and I'll show you in person someday. And so he was really nice about that. Oh, that's so awesome. I love that. Are you planning any other, like, events or drops in the future for your community? I think for now, I'm just trying to get back into the groove of streaming on a regular basis. But, yeah, I think I'd I'd like to organize like some community events it wasn't for a stream necessarily explicitly just for a stream but when i was since i was like the guild leader of like my wow guild i did a few events just bring the team together find an excuse to give people some free gold in game and all that stuff and so those events were always really popular and really fun it was just like silly stuff oh everybody create a level one character 
on this random server and then we'll see who's the first person to make it to x location without dying or whatever just like little silly things like that so i feel like running that especially to like a hardcore experience like one life server would be super fun i mean i think those are the experiences people like is when you can interact with your community and they can play along with you and stuff like that so that's that kind of thing is great and i wish more games would have that potential to be more interactive for streamers and for the audience but i think we are just about done except for your surprise question are you ready okay all right so if you woke up and found yourself in a final fantasy game could you tell us who your character would be who my character would be. So as a, a, an existing Final Fantasy character or... Really an existing one, but I feel like there are like types. So okay. what okay. kind of like type would your character be? So I don't think I would be a main character. I think I'm like, I think I'm a little bit too anxious avoidant for that kind of mm-hmm. limelight. That makes um, sense. I feel like a supporting character because in a lot of the games that I play, so in both WoW and Final Fantasy, I pride myself on focusing on like the healer class. And if I do branch out, I'll branch out into being like a tank, which is considered a support type class as well. So I think like, I know this is a faux pas to maybe say this, but in terms of like party functionality, I feel myself like maybe Aerith from Final Fantasy VII is like my vibe, even though I know she, oh, sorry, what's that? I'm sorry. I just, every time somebody mentions her name, my heart just drops because she just makes me so sad. And I know she's fine in the remake, but the original, it still brings tears to my eyes. I just, I can't even. Oh, it's so bad. It's been decades and I still have not come to terms. I don't want to do any spoilers, but I have not come to terms with it. Okay. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, that's okay. I I think for me, the reason why I don't feel necessarily as strongly is because I think I was, I knew what happened afterwards because I watched the Advent Children movie. And so I think that I have a slightly different context to that. But I guess to to preface that, it's like, given how pivotal she is in the story, I don't want to say I'd be like that kind of level of importance, but I would still be like a support role type character. So I think she's like a she does like the healing wave as like her limit break and all that stuff. Yeah. But I also like the vibe of like Lulu from Final Fantasy X. I oh, feel yeah. like she's, yeah. So I feel like some kind of like hybrid between like Lulu and Aerith might be where I'm at. I feel like Pain had more of my attitude though. I like her attitude. She was just <laughs> over everything. She was just over it. Very serious business yeah. mode. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here and taking the time to talk to me. Could you list your socials so we know where to find you? Oh, uh, yeah, sure. So my uh, primary social is uh, Twitch. So twitch.tv slash fairly Asian uh, spelled how you would expect it. And then my Twitter is fairly Asian. And I those are the two primary things that I use right now. I have a Discord server as well, and that's linked on my Twitch profile page. Since I don't have a custom link or anything like that. But yeah. It was great to be here. Thank you for inviting me. I feel honored. I'm so happy that you came in and it was really fun talking to you. (laughs) All right, that's a wrap. I hope you get the chance to get to know my good friend a little bit more. She just made affiliate, so thank you guys for showing her love and support. She has a fun and quickly growing community and lots of wow knowledge. Let's show her some love and support. Please stop by her channel and say hi to her and her awesome community. My theme music is by DJ Kern. Check her out on SoundCloud. My interview music is by Zigobang. Make sure you check him out on SoundCloud as well. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, keep gaming.
awesome. Thank you so much again. Thanks for spending the time. I know you must have had a long day. You must be exhausted, but it was really nice hearing you talk about games. You're so passionate, and I love hearing that. That's like my favorite thing. So it was a, pl a pleasure to interview you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. It was fun. It's it's always nice doing stuff with people. I I have this, I think I've just been like a single player person for so long that like when it comes to games and things like that it's aside from wow it's like hard for me to talk to people about stuff I, I wouldn't say it's hard for me it's hard for me to find the opportunity to talk to people about stuff so when I have the opportunity it's like always very exciting yeah that's my problem online I'm very outgoing and I will make people talk to each other and I'm always it's hard being vulnerable it's hard making that first step 